Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The following episode contains graphic material and distressing themes that may be triggering to some audiences. Lessener discretion is advised. For a teenage girl, Crystal Howell already had a rough life. She went through her parents' bitter divorce, traumatizing incidents with her dad, an alleged sexual assault by her uncle, and a breakup with her first love. But Crystal's story was far from being over. In 2011, her dad, Michael, had taken her out of the latest mental facility early. And when she returned home to the mountaintop, unbeknownst to Crystal, the Howells had a new roommate. My train of thought is how differently my dad acts around other people. So I'm knowing returning home, like, they told me ahead of time, like, this lady lives with us now. Um... And I'd met her before, so I knew who she was. I'd met her whenever I'd been on home trips and stuff. She'd been there for a little while. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, my dad acts this way around people, so I'm going to be fine. Like, everything's going to be okay. So I didn't mind, really, I guess, going home and trying again and seeing where it took us. Her name is Holt. So I was living in Statesville, and I was going through a, a divorce, and I was very heartbroken. And somebody said, well, you just need to get on the internet dating site. Oh, my God. Those places are a nightmare. But anyway, Michael was on there, and I wasn't looking for anything, just kind of killing time, I guess. And he had the most beautifully written, whatever, biography or whatever. And it, it really was, they were beautiful words, but they weren't really how he felt. Anyway, we just started talking back and forth. And this was in 2011, uh, later in the year. And on the week before Thanksgiving of that year, he called and said, do you want to come up for a couple of days to visit with Crystal and me? And so I said, sure. The relationship was never going to be anything other than being friends. I was in no place to 
be in a relationship with a man. And, you know, come to find out after a little while, I understood about Michael, you know, he just wasn't, he, he couldn't have a, a girlfriend because he had too much hatred. In the time that Holt would spend at the Mountain House, she would learn all about Michael's deeply rooted hatred for his ex-wife. Maybe a little too much. I knew that it was about Christina. I just, I don't understand that kind of hatred, y'all. It's just not, it's not inside me. So I just maybe looked the other way and just refused to, to think that, you know, being naive or just turn around and walk away. Crystal, though, was looking forward to an ally and advocate in Holt. But it turns out the three under one roof would be anything but ideal. I just think he was a ticking time bomb. I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. We are Emmy-nominated investigative journalists, and we've been talking to Crystal Howell since her dad's murder in 2014. Eight years after Michael Howell's murder, at 25 years old, Crystal is telling her story. We bring you the exclusive series, Killing Dad, a first-degree mistake. What you are about to hear from Holt has never been released before. Holt lived with Michael and Crystal for long stretches at a time at the Mountain House in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. I I mean, not a play, and it was, because I was going through this divorce, this was like my place of solitude and refuge. And he knew that. And he had a good heart. That was the thing about it, because had he not had some goodness, he would just say, go away. But we actually were were friends. I mean, we did a lot of things together. It's just there was that underlying current. And and it got worse as, as time went on. Holt was around to witness Crystal and her dad's relationship. She saw things a little differently at first. On the surface, they were very close. Um, everything was about Crystal and of course Crystal wanted to go and do what Crystal wanted to do and he was very 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 strict with her and I just thought it was because she'd been in trouble and he you know was trying to protect her from trouble but I don't think I think he just wanted complete control because he manipulated her and, and anything she would do that he disapproved oh he'd let her know but he wouldn't yell and scream at her in front of, you know, when I was around because that's not something that I can be around. There was no romance between the two, but they enjoyed each other's company. It was just kind of a, you know, we're going to be friends kind of thing. I mean, I didn't certainly have any feelings other than that for him and he, for, for me. But as a man, right away, it was very clear that he was strong very very outspoken, very well-spoken, educated, and well-read. But he was harsh. I mean, early on, I knew that I had to be careful, you know, walk on eggshells. That means that you can never show any weakness 
to anybody or show any vulnerabilities because if you do, I guess this is what this means. If you do, then somebody's going to take advantage. And we can't have that. He's already been betrayed. I used to say, rejection is the hardest thing. And he would say, no, betrayal is the hardest thing. Michael shared with Holt the tales of the tumultuous relationship and bitter divorce with Crystal's mom, Christina. Michael, you know, in retrospect, he might have been having a huge pity party. He was always had this story and this anger, and it was the topic of almost every conversation. But there was always an undercurrent with Mike. And it always came back to the betrayal of his wife. It would be the whole story. It would be how she betrayed him and cheated on him and took his money, threw him in jail, and how she had this child by another man and he didn't have any idea and how he just, you know, he hated her. Michael would say, if I had her up here on this mountain by myself, she would never be seen again, and her husband too. I mean, I believe he had murder in his heart. In the past, Michael had told Crystal his plans of wishing to do harm to Christina. Now he was telling Holt about those plans too. I, I honestly, you know, maybe at the time I truly, maybe I believed that he would do it, but it would never happen because she would, he would never have her alone on the side of the mountain anywhere. Maybe that was it. But I do know this, his anger and his hatred, he loved and despised that woman, every fiber of his being. And it didn't have anything to do with me. And it didn't have anything to do with Crystal or anybody that he knew. It was about Christina only. As the days went on, Holt saw the cracks in the relationship between Michael and Crystal. I didn't see that she was a troublemaker. I, I could see that some of the things that Michael would say to her, like, like, you know, you'll never go to college, which pretty much says you'll never amount to anything. That's what I think. But she just went on, you know, as a teen because she loved her daddy. They were really close apparently early on. So she really loved Michael. And she was, you know, trying to do good. She spent a lot of time on her artwork and her painting and all that kind of stuff. She was a teenager, but her friends were never allowed to convert. She was always on the phone texting, always. I mean, it was like a teenager. And Mike would yell about the data, blah, blah, blah. He, he just didn't have any faith that she was ever gonna be a productive member of society. He'd say she will do anything because she has no fear. She's just like me. And I would say, well, do you think that there's anything that she could do that would scare her? Like, are you expecting her to get pregnant? Is that going to scare her or what? And he never could really just say what. He just, you know, didn't think she was ever going to amount to hell of a day. How did that affect right. Crystal that you saw? I can't imagine it was any good, and I'd call Mike out on it, too, when she wasn't around. 
I would say, Mike, why are you talking to her like that? I said, you need to build her confidence and not say those things to her and in front of her. And he didn't, it didn't faze him. She would just go on about her business. I have no idea what was going on in that child's mind. Her mother had turned her back on her. Her father was really kind of a jerk. During her time at the Howell House, Crystal and Holt developed a friendship and special bond. Well, I mean, I love Crystal. I just spent a lot of time with her. So I remember her saying uh, that she understood now why my mom had left him. And that kind of caught me off guard because, you know, my parents' divorce wasn't something I really talked about a lot. So for somebody to say something like that, like it did not offend me, like, because I had thought the same thought over the years, like, as things progressively worsened. So just, though, for somebody else to acknowledge that and to realize, like, to feel the same pain as I felt, I guess, kind of, I don't want to say it was a relief because I, I didn't want her hurting, but it made me realize, like, I'm not crazy. I'm not imagining that this stuff might be wrong. She would stand up to him, but yet she, she knew how he was, but she knew how he was more than I knew how he was, apparently. So she had to be running on on some fear, even though she didn't show it. And she was young. And here she is trying to please this man, and her whole world has been rocked, and and she's running away. She's stealing things. She's trying to get attention any way that she can. But Michael's attention that she so craved would soon turn from Crystal to Holt. Two's company, three's a crowd, could not have rang more true in regards to Holt living with Crystal and her dad. Holt witnessed firsthand the mental instability of Michael Howell and would, too, be on the receiving end of his rage. It was just a normal day. Crystal was there, and, I mean, I don't know what set him off with my comment unless he was just a ticking time bomb. But yes, I always, I knew early on that Mike was stern and strict. It was getting later in the afternoon, and he came in, and, you know, he started off with whatever. And I don't even know what it was. I, I'm sure it was something that wasn't right. You know, why this or why that or crystal this or whatever. And I just, very on the cuff off the cuff, and I should not have said anything, said, well, here we go with the lecture. And that was the switch. He was on me like stink on crap. Cheap suit, I mean, he, and I, he was just losing it. Bad. We were standing in the kitchen, and I didn't Maybe backed away, but I didn't back off because I felt like, you know, I had to be strong at that moment. And but I was upset. He was in my 
face, yelling and screaming at me. I can't tell you what he said other than, you know, you better be gone. You're you're out of here now. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, he was, he had these bright blue eyes. And I mean, they were on fire. And he was in my face yelling at me and literally spit was, was landing on me. And Crystal apparently was on the phone. She went and called her mother. And according to what she said, she thought Michael going to kill me. I was in my room when their argument began and I just hear screaming. So my dad left and told her, by the time I get back from taking this walk, you better be gone. So whenever I hear that the argument is kind of subsided, I come upstairs like to see like what's going on and Hope's packing her things. And I must have called my son Walter during the fight and uh, was screaming, you need to come and get me. You just need to come and get me now. And he did. And man, they packed me up and I was gone from this place. And I told Crystal on my way out that she needed to get out as soon as possible. I told her, I said, you need to get away. You need to get out. You need to go to your mother's. You need to do something. Because I just felt like Mike was just, had lost it. Crystal heeded Holt's warning and decided to spend Thanksgiving holiday with her mom, Christina, in Georgia. But rather than meet halfway to drop her off, Crystal's dad does something out of character. He offers to drive Crystal all the way to Augusta and to Christina. So we drive the four hours down to Georgia and we pull up in front of my mom's house and... I get out and I'm going to get my stuff out of the back and my dad's helping me. And I see him, like he's parked where the driver's side is away from the house. And I see him grab a gun out of the floorboard in the back seat. And I didn't even know it was in the car. I didn't know he brought it with him. So I was kind of shocked by it. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why do you have that? And he just looked at me and he said, well, I'm going to make it a Thanksgiving that no one will forget. And internally, I'm panicking. Like, I'm like, this is finally happening. Like, it's actually, I'm seeing it and it's real. It's not something I can stop. So I'm trying to think quickly. Like, I'm trying to think what's the next thing that might stop him. And I lied and said, well, one of the family members in there is a cop. So what are you going to do if they're armed? What are you going to do when you go in there? And it just kind of seemed to, in his mind, kind of click, like maybe this isn't the right thing to do or what am I doing here? Like he seemed to look kind of confused, like he didn't realize how he got there, like he was waking up from sleep or something. And he just nodded his head and was like, okay, okay and he put the gun away and I'm leaving I'm nervous like not knowing what to expect I was just afraid because I didn't expect him to do that on Thanksgiving and my dad always talked about like 
going out dramatically and being remembered. So he did this on Thanksgiving. So in my brain, it automatically clicks. Like, what if, what if he tries to do something on Christmas too? Like, what? I'm just kind of paranoid at this point. Like everything is beginning to put me on edge, and I'm not sure what to expect from him. So I guess it was just an assumption. And before anything could happen, I left home again. I ran away. The vicious cycle of Crystal running away from her dad and her problems continued. But this time would be the last. I met someone on Craigslist. Uh, I saw they had a room for rent. And I've been selling paintings throughout. Like, I sold some paintings to my school, and I sold some paintings online. So I had a little bit of money. Um, It was cheap rent. The guy was nice. So I moved in with him, and I slept in, like, the back bedroom. And I wasn't really sure how long I was going to be gone. I only stayed gone, I think, about probably a couple of weeks. I was just, I chose to live with strangers over my dad because I felt unsure of what he was going to do. And I started seeing him kind of drift more mentally to what to the point where I wasn't sure, am I gonna, how much longer am I going to be able to control him, like, I I probably can't stop him forever, but in my mind, I'm thinking I just have to make it till my 18th birthday, then I'll be gone, and I can just go on my own way. And just like all the other times Crystal ran away, her father found her. Michael had filed a missing persons report. The cops brought her to the station. He picked her up and drove the two hours back to the mountaintop. But this time, Dad wouldn't be bringing her home. We're up on the mountain at this point, and it's dark. And I see he drives past the driveway, and I was he's like, you just drove past the driveway. When he drives past the driveway, like, I'm just kind of on edge. Um, to get to where he took me, there is a gate. Um, only people who live on the mountain have a key to the gate. So he gets out on the and keeps driving us up the mountain to that same camping spot where the incident with the stick and the gun happened. And I'm wearing a pair of leggings and a Hollister jacket and a pair of skateboarding shoes. They were vans, and I got them whenever I was at Venice. They had sequins on them. And he was just pushing me, like... Not hard or anything, but, you know, guiding me, you know, and by the shoulders. And he pushed me into a tree, and I kind of put up my hands, embraced myself. And I remember snow was all in my shoes. I wasn't wearing socks. And he told me, you know, you want to be out there in the cold world. Well, welcome to it. Like, here you are. And he turned around, he started walking away. And I just stood there like, it's dark. Um, and he left. I didn't have any of my stuff with me. It was just the clothes on my back. But I guess I felt comfort in knowing where I was. Like, I knew I'm not just somewhere in the middle of the woods. Like, I'm familiar with this area. Uh, I can just wait here, and I'll leave in the morning. So that's what I did. I just sat down on the ground, and the snow kind of sunk through the material of the leggings. And it was cold. Um, I put the hood up over my head, and I just kind of tried to hug my knees. 
And it's the weirdest thing. Like, I remember looking at my shoes and seeing the sequins. And even though it was pitch black dark, I could still see them shine, like the glimmer of the sequins. I'm terrified of the dark. So I just kind of shut my eyes, and it's like every little noise like freaked me out. And I just forced myself to sleep because I was scared. I didn't know what to do out there. Like, and as soon as the sun came up, I started walking back home. In the months that passed since Holt abruptly left the Howell home in fear, she distanced herself from both Michael and Crystal. So she was unaware of the Thanksgiving threat, Crystal running away again, and her being left alone on the cold, snowy mountaintop. The silence broke when Michael reached out to Holt to make amends by way of a letter. Holt has never shared the contents of Michael's letter until now. There's really not much to say about the way things ended here about my meltdown. You are way too nice and did not deserve to be blasted like that. I truly am ashamed and will regret my actions for the rest of my life. Clearly, we did not see eye to eye on many things. Obviously, I got on your nerves and vice versa. Simple enough. Not to make excuses but it's more complicated than that. There is a reason why the Bible says to love your enemy, because when you hate, it does not hurt an enemy. It destroys the individual from within. I remember when we were watching one of those murder mysteries, they mentioned the suspect was an ex-Marine. You said, quote, he's a trained killer, end quote. Well, the truth is, Man does not have to be trained to kill. It is in human nature, always has been, always will be. The switch just has to be flipped, and the darker, homicidal aspects which infect the human spirit will rise to the surface. Hence, my way too strong reaction, this is not an excuse. I am supposed to be smarter than that, but when you come right down to it, humans are simply another animal on this planet. The, um, the most intelligent, yes, but capable of the most savagery as well. Even as your dad said, quote, some people just need killing, <laughs> end quote. Else my dad would say something like that. He's, he is just an outside observer being my father, I guess. But others have said the same thing. I have felt that intensely underlined. I have worked to suppress it, but that hate, that feeling of having a mortal enemy can come out. So you are not the real target. I am sorry you got in the way. That said, I question you calling my ex. Certainly you could have made some constructive comments to her. I don't know if it was just to say what an ass I am. You will, you missed the point. You can't forget the person who instilled this rage in me in the first place. That woman has done some very wicked and selfish things, enough to flip trust 
switch or that I'm sorry enough to flip that switch inside me that's for sure yes I have plenty of deficiencies as a person and parent but have done my best with Crystal no she did not run away because of me I have done right by her to the best of my ability so did you explanation thank you for that you really helped with Crystal and with Teddy somewhat with me I need more though but I am not beyond hope remember the Grinch that's me right now bitter resentful sick of the silly world isolated up on a mountain with my dog plotting instead of living Hmm. what changed the Grinch love love of all things grew his heart curled his grimace to a grin this is one of your greatest strengths you know love you believe in love you have love you know what love is me I am not that fortunate at this point in life that it is a very dark place to be perhaps one day I will see the light P.S. Pardon the chicken scratch. Also, sorry for the delay in mail. I worked um, one cycle to run through so it all could be mailed at once. Thanks again for all you did for us and for who you are as a person. I was too stubborn and angry to learn. Maybe one day. Monday, February 24th, 2014. It was a sunny, yet cool, 52-degree day, and while the winds were gusting, no one could have anticipated just what the wind was about to blow in. I woke up that morning, and everything was pretty regular. Like, I woke up, and I got out of bed. I kind of fixed my hair a little bit in the mirror, and then I threw on some clothes. And I went upstairs, and my dog came running up to me, so that's all really regular stuff. Like, that's how my day starts basically every day. And my dad was sitting at the kitchen table, and that smelled like coffee. And he was cutting coupons, which meant we were going to the grocery store. So I just kind of moved around him, and I was, I was going to get something to eat. And I went back into the living room with the dog. And he had come through and asked me if I wanted to go to the grocery store with him. And I said, yeah, because usually when I don't go to the grocery store, then I have to stay at home and clean the house. And I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. It sounds stupid, but I was going to steal from the store to try to get caught. It sounds so stupid, but it just, I don't know. I had a twisted logic, I guess. Whenever all this stuff had happened before, um, like when I got left outside, like I kind of was thinking like I need to try to draw a line somewhere. I need to try to maybe get help, but I wasn't sure how to get help. Like I, I wasn't sure how to just go to the police station or just walk up to a teacher or one of my friends and ask for help. I thought, well, I can get caught stealing and they'll take me to the police department and then maybe I can tell them. And this might sound childish, but I was like, well, maybe, maybe the universe can decide when the right time is. Like, because I, I'm, I'm not good at making my own decisions, so I just figured, well, if I get caught stealing, I get caught stealing, and that, that's the turning of the tables, I guess. Hey, Crystal, this is Jessica. Um, I'm 
Crystal finally had a plan on how to get help. She and her dad head out to the local store. So we pulled up to the grocery store and we got out and, you know, it seemed like a normal grocery trip, but I have an empty purse with me. My dad doesn't know that, though. And like I said, I've taken things before, like when we've gone out, like as this like little like test of fate, I guess. But it's always been something smaller. And so going in the store, I'm thinking, well, maybe I should push the limit. So I go off on my own and I kind of just start grabbing things. Like, I think it was like a face wash and like a jigsaw puzzle. It was just a bunch of random things that I didn't need. But I grabbed a lot more than I thought I did. Um, I, I was just kind of grabbing stuff. And in the middle of doing that, like I just, I don't want to say realization, but I just kind of, it kind of hit me like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Like, you're not really going to tell on your dad. Like, and I was kind of conflicted. Um, so I, I went to the bathroom and I sat down like in there with the stolen stuff and I'm sitting there on the toilet thinking like, what are you doing? Like, how are you going to betray your dad, the only person that's really there for you? You're going to be the one to send him to jail again. And so I'm sitting in the bathroom like, well, I'm just going to back out. I'm just going to go shove the purse because it's, it's just like a cheap purse. I don't care about it. I was like, I'm just going to go shove the purse on a shelf somewhere for somebody to find and then they'll just restock stuff. Like, it'll be okay. Like, I can just go back and pretend that nothing happened. And I walked out of the bathroom and an employee was out there with a manager and they were basically like, empty your purse. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I, I'm wondering like, how, how am I gonna backpedal from this? Like, cause I knew going in there, I knew what my plan was and I knew how I was planning to execute that plan to go to the police and all this, but I'm not thinking on a, what if I back out? What if I change my mind? I don't have, I don't have a plan for that. So I just poured out my purse and like I said, it was a lot more stuff than I remember putting in there. Like it's like I was just kind of on autopilot, moving through the motions. Um, and they said they were going to call the police and I just told them, I was like, well, my dad's in here, like he's in the store. So, and they told me to call my dad. So I took out my phone and I called my dad and I told him, where I was at in the store and that he needed to come meet me. And uh, so my dad came back here and I turned off my phone and when he came back here, he took my phone and he took the purse and he kind of, kind of got upset, I guess, but he wasn't hitting me or screaming at me really, but it was a frustrated kind of voice. And he was like, we just finished going to court for this last month. And that's what I remember him saying. And I was just kind of waiting for him to explode, and he didn't. The store manager releases Crystal to her dad. They load up the car with the groceries and head back to the house. We start driving down the road, and my dad is reaching his pocket. And in my mind, I'm thinking my dad carries a, a pocket knife with him everywhere he goes. And so I'm thinking, like, what if he grabs the knife? What if he stabs me? Like there's just all these thoughts going through my head and I'm afraid and I see him pull something out and it's not a knife it was his cell phone 
and I kind of, I guess, released, like, that tension. Like, but then I, I began thinking, like, well, who, who is he texting? Michael had texted his friend Holt. She shared with us the text messages. Today in grocery store, she was caught with a bag full. You think the jury is still out? Question mark. Right. And that's when I said, well, to be honest, I came up with, you know, a couple of things missing. And which propagated the last, the last text that he sent at 106. Selfish and dishonest people have made me no more than a dead man walking. And I didn't answer back until that night. And I said, let her go, Michael, and try to move forward with your life. You are letting the actions of others dictate your life, freedoms, happiness. It makes no sense. By then, he was already dead. Holt's last text would never make it to Michael. Crystal and her dad arrived back at the mountaintop house. So I go in the house and I have like an armful of groceries and I'm setting it on the counter and I open the refrigerator and I'm putting away like Gatorade and sorting through stuff. And whenever I stand up from the closing the door, I see him standing in the kitchen like not in the doorway, but about halfway across the kitchen. And he's just standing there staring at me. And he just was kind of unfamiliar, I guess. Like he didn't, I didn't really recognize who he was anymore. Like he just looked dead. Uh, and he just walks over to me slowly and I kind of back up towards the wall. Um, counter, hold on, I gotta stand up. But, so I back up and my back's against the thing and I see my dad go for this knife block that's on the counter. And I see him slowly grab this knife. And he walks over towards me. My, my back's pressed against the dishwasher area. And he's against me. Like, he's so close to my face that we're almost touching. And my dad, my dad was left-handed. Um, and he kind of dug the knife into my leg and he told me, you know, I can make you disappear again until the place you ran away and they wouldn't think anything of it. And he throws a knife in the sink. I don't know. I, he walks out and he just laughs this laugh and it's just really unfamiliar. That's the word I can only word I can really think of to describe it, like it's not a kind of evil, demonic, I'm not really sure how to put it, but it didn't sound like him. And he told me to not even think about running away, that he would deal with me when he got up. And then my dad went and lay down for a nap, and that was the last thing he ever said to me. On the next episode of Killing Dad, where was your dad, Crystal? He was sleeping on the couch. Was Michael's death an act of self-defense of a scared teen or a cold-blooded murder? The only thing I remember seeing afterward was, you know, I, I looked out of his bedroom door and I, I saw him and I heard, like, his last breath. 
Just a broken 